Next on BYU Sports Nation, the real story behind the final play of the BYU-Boise State game. BYU offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes goes inside the details of Zach Wilson's last gasp effort. It's a ball night for men's hoops as the regular season begins at number 7 Nevada. We give our preseason projections and postseason expectations. Plus, Greg Rebell joins us live from Reno with... His secret to hoops, shocking a top 10 team. And the latest BYU football bowl projections. Let a huge week begin. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B. Back to work. Presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Tuesday, November 6th. Ball night! However you're connected, great to have you with us. Indeed, it is a ball night. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the next Marlins guy, Jerem Jordan. You going to the game tonight? To what? The uh, BYU-Nevada game show up in some super flamboyant jersey, so you're uh, easily noticeable by all of the TV cameras. Yeah, I I would, but you and I are a little busy this evening. Yeah, that's true. With the Satake show. Yeah. Uh, You are filling in for one, Gregor Bell, and I am behind the scenes. So if you're not aware of what Marlins guy is. Marlins man. Marlins man, sorry. He travels to all of the biggest sporting events and finds his way into these camera positions, specifically at baseball games, where he's right behind home plate so that you know where he is. Uh, And he's shown up on other big sporting events in that orange Marlins jersey, so you you always know where he is. That's a pretty sweet aspiration, don't you think? Like to have have some money. To have enough money to get to that point in your life where you're like, I'm going to go to this game on a whim. I'm just going to fly there. I'm going to buy, like, a really expensive ticket, and I'm going to sit behind home plate. Sounds good to me. Right? Yes. How can't we all become... Marlins men. No. Most people can't afford it. It's the American dream, man. It's the Ameri- American dream. The American dream is to be have a better situation than your parents. That's the American dream. So Marlins man's kids will not have a better situation. <laughs> he will not live the, his kids won't live the American dream. Hey, we've got a dream lineup for you today. Fit for a top 10 basketball game day. Greg Rubel will join us from Reno, Nevada, where BYU prepares to face 7th-ranked Nevada, not Nevada, in 15 minutes, our season projections for BYU hoops in about a half an hour and BYU football bowl projections to boot. Don't forget Olivia Wade of BYU Women's Soccer, who are fresh off finding out where they will play in the NCAA tournament. What does she think about the first-round opponents? All of that coming up in a loaded show. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football on a mission for retribution. Cougars play roughly 2,000 miles away from home at UMass this Saturday. However, they will play without junior defensive back Chris Wilcox. Kalani Satake announcing he is out for the season with a lower leg fracture. Satake elaborated on the injury setback yesterday. Well, he's a starter for us, so yeah, that, 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 that affects us. But we have a lot of young guys that need to step up, and this is an opportunity for um, you know, for those young freshman corners to step up and play, and, and we'll see. We'll just have to probably bring. Um, we we're planning on, on redshirting Isaiah Heron, but we'll probably have to play him and and get Jalen Vickers ready to go too. All right, moving around a lot of chess pieces to fill in for the starter Chris Wilcox. Saturday's game will be produced by Eleven Sports, broadcast live on BYU TV. It's a national simulcast. 
Coverage beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern on Countdown to Kickoff. Men's basketball opens the season at number 7 Nevada tonight. Assistant coach Tim Lacombe recently told us this is an opportunity for the Cougars. When we have an opportunity like we will Tuesday night to go to a place, they're ranked number 7. Um, they have you know, an incredible run going from last year and everybody back. They've added some fifth-year guys. Uh, it will be a challenge, but that is not something that we are nervous about, intimidated by. Um, on the contrary, we're actually really excited about it. And I am too. Pre-game coverage begins on BYU Radio at 10 Eastern Time. The Wolfpack lost by one in the Sweet 16 last season to Loyola Chicago. I blame Sister Jean. The six-time West Coast Conference champions, BYU women's soccer will travel to Texas and TCU to play the Horn Frogs in the first round of the NCAA tournament this Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 Mountain Time. The winner likely gets Texas A&M, which would be a rematch for BYU from early this season. And Peter Quest for Perfection shot a career-best 61 yesterday, 10 under uh, in the opening round of the St. Mary's Invitational. Karma! Karma boost. He was on the show recently. Quest holds a seven-stroke lead, and BYU's in first place at 13 under. Well, a 61 will do that for a guy in the individual race and for a team trying to win a competition. 61, wow. boy, Peter. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, the story behind the story. Everyone wants to know what really happened on Saturday night. Such is the case specifically for the final play of the game in BYU's most recent heartbreaking loss at Boise State. Well, yesterday, offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes discussed the role of his quarterback and how his current game-playing mentality factored into all of this. Zach's that guy that's been the guy that, that you love if he's a basketball player and he makes that last-second shot uh, freelancing a little bit. Um, but he's also that guy sometimes that you might be frustrated with um, because he didn't follow the, the design as well as as he could have. But again, I, I don't attribute that to him um, in any way being being stubborn or uncoachable. He's just young, and he's still learning how to play the game within limits. And what you love about him is he's that guy that wants to take the last second shot. He needs to learn what the limits are to what he can do and and what other players can do if he'll if he'll just play within the offense. All right, Jerome, what is your reaction to what Jeff Grimes said yesterday about Zach Wilson and the final play at Boise State? Yeah, I, I appreciate uh, Zach Wilson's effort and intention, for sure. But like you said, the execution's got to be a little cleaner. It wasn't a complicated thing. It was throw the ball or throw it away, like throw it in some manner, right? If it's picked, it's picked, and that stinks, and the chances of that are low. But um, yeah, You have the- to commit to taking that shot. Yes, from the get-go. because you got to give yourself two chances. You like, you like your chances throwing the ball from the two twice or him running it in. But BYU went max pro, meaning nine in, two wideouts. There's going to be like 18 dudes within like a 20-foot circle. <laughs> it's just packed. So, yes, Zach Wilson's going to make a bunch of plays. Uh, at BYU in the future, and I'm excited about that. Unfortunately, this was a big mistake. But hopefully we look back and we say, hey, Zach Wilson learned from it, and he became much better. I tweeted out a video of him talking with Fessy Satake right after. It's pretty It's pretty raw because Wilson has to sit there and listen to it, and to his credit, he did. He didn't shrug it off. He didn't look away. He was listening to Fessy because Jeff Grimes was in the booth mm. making his way down. 
I really have zero issue with any of this or with how Coach Grimes or Zach Wilson have handled any of the fallout. And I'm not sure why some people are thinking the two may have contradicting statements and the coach yeah, may have thrown that. his quarterback under the bus. I didn't get that impression in the least. No, I, I heard truthful answers, straightforward answers. Look, he's a young guy. He likes to wing it every once in a while and make he made plays a mistake. With his feet. He can't eat it. He made a mistake, yeah. but he owned it sure. immediately. Yeah, I appreciate that. He owned it. He didn't shrug it off. No, been very open. And so I, I was fine with what Jeff Grimes said yesterday. I thought that was uh, a perfect uh, encapsulating comment of who Zach Wilson is right now, and that he is the Maverick. And sometimes the Maverick. Going to Maverick like Tom Cruise and do his own thing and fly by the tower when you're not supposed to and all of that stuff that goes along with it. You have any more Top Gun references you want to throw in there? <laughs> no, I will contribute zero. <laughs> Through six games, BYU gave up a total of six sacks, by the way. One allowed a game would be 10th in the country right now. It's really good. Then the last three games with Zach Wilson, a quarterback, BYU has allowed a plethora of sacks, which is our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Zach Wilson has been sacked 15 times in his three starts. Okay, It's 12 in the last two games. Yikes. Five against Northern Illinois, seven against Boise State. Spencer, would BYU have two more wins? They had not given up 12 sacks in the last two games? I'm not ready to say that they would won, have won both of the games, but certainly they would have won at least one of the games. It's hard to specifically calculate it down to quarterback sacks, but with how many sacks BYU took once they got into the red zone, you would think maybe they score a touchdown in one of those scenarios instead of having to settle for a field goal, thus changing the outcome of one of those games. So I am a firm believer that at least one of the games, probably Northern Illinois, where BYU doesn't shoot themselves in the foot with one of those sacks and they find a way to score a few more points, or even put Skylar Southam in better field goal position. I'm, I'm thinking of a specific sack when Zach Wilson mm-hmm. lost seven yes. yards, and it went from four yards. A, sorry, four yards. Yeah. It went from a 48-yarder to a 52-yarder yeah. or what, a 47-51. Yeah. Mm-hmm. May, maybe the four yards are the difference mentally for Skylar Southam. Maybe. He makes that field goal, and BYU wins 9-7. to seven. Yeah, to me, it's not as simple. Listen, if BYU gives up zero sacks in both games, I think BYU wins yes. both games. They're not going to give but, up zero sacks, though. Right. If it's you know, nine instead of 12 or something, or sorry, three instead of 12, perhaps. Against NIU, to me, I look at the back-to-back false start penalties on first and goal from the five. Brutal. After the Zach Wilson hurdle and stiff arm. If BYU is going to score a touchdown there, I feel. I feel they would. Against, uh, so seven penalties for 52 against uh, NIU. And so the, the penalties are a bigger issue than the sacks. Uh, well, it's, it's not just the sacks. I don't know that they're bigger. I think it's big. Takeaways or giveaways on offense would be a bigger deal. I think BYU's taking care of the ball pretty well. Let's acknowledge that. Sacks are a big deal, though. Some are the O-line, and Jeff Grimes uh, acknowledged as much on Coordinator's Corner, which, by the way, if you don't watch or listen to that show, great show, great insights into what's going on, Kate. Okay? You're missing out if you don't. Um, in addition to this program and all the others, like listen and consume it. Uh, Jeff Grimes said it's a different blocking scheme. It's a different setup. Like, we're not doing as many jet sweeps because Zach Wilson can run the rock himself, and it's just a little different, right? They've tweaked the offense schematically within what they were doing to accommodate, and that's led to more sacks because Zach Wilson needs to get it away, slash the O-line. has It's a little bit of a different blocking scheme, apparently. So sacks are going to happen. Yeah. It's just you can't have seven or five. That's just too many. You can't. 
You can't eat it, you know, on fourth and two at the, you know, these things can't happen. So you live and you learn and you hope to be better. And trust me, the next two weeks, BYU is going to score some points because these two defenses are some of the worst in the country. So BYU is going to put up points. They're not going to have as many sacks. They're going to move the ball better. They're going to win. The question is whether against Utah, if BYU can avoid against a stellar elite defense, a bunch of sacks again. Can BYU avoid a, a situation where they have, where they're giving up more than five sacks against one of the best Five's defenses in the country? I know five, they gave up seven against Boise State and almost one. Yeah. So you think? Yeah, it's all situational too. The timing of sacks are not all equal as well. Some hurt worse than others. They're all bad, but some hurt, hurt worse than others. Just yeah. like penalties. On to basketball, Jaron. BYU opens the season in Reno tonight against yeah. the Sweet 16 team from a year ago, the Nevada Wolfpack. They are number seven in one poll, number nine in the other. And word has it, this is the best team that they have ever put on the basketball floor. The Cougars have taken care of business in their last few matchups against Nevada, but this is an entirely different scenario. A different, yep. Entirely different scenario. What would a win at number seven Nevada mean for BYU basketball. I mean, nationally, it might not be the same, but it'd be similar to a Wisconsin win in football. It would feel that yeah, way. Yeah, big win early, right? It'd change expectations, show us where the ceiling is for this team a little bit. It'd give great confidence to this team that's gone to back-to-back NIT one and duns. It'd be a quad one win immediately, and I think it will be a quad one win on Selection Sunday, a top 75 game on the road. So this would be big time. I think BYU needs to, to see what they can do right out of the gates against Eric Musselman, the Martin Twins and company, uh, and try and snag a win in the biggest little city in America. Sure. In one night, if BYU wins this game, they go from zero mention in Joe Lenardi's preseason bracketology and all of those prognosticators, for that matter, to at least on the bubble and maybe one of the last four in. That's this type of opportunity for BYU. You, You beat number seven on the road to open the season, and then everybody thinks, oh, okay, maybe BYU has turned a corner and they're not an NIT team anymore and they are worthy of NCAA tournament inclusion, at least a projection. It will change expectations not just for the fan base and for us. It'll change it for the national guys as well and those that are watching on the committee. BYU all of a sudden jumps into another class because they have probably they're the best – they have the maybe – the best win, if not one of the top two wins in the country in week one of the college basketball season. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Uh, so th- this is an opportunity for BYU. Hopefully the Cougars play well, can build, give themselves a chance. in this game. Late, late tip, by the way, 11, 11 Eastern. Now, the next question is our question of the day. What do you expect from BYU basketball tonight against top 10 ranked Nevada? Let's go to the Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation. On BYU Sports Nation. All right, here we go. At Arizona MCC and on Twitter. Just try to run and use the length to try and disrupt what Nevada is trying to accomplish. There's a lot of try in there. Stay out of foul trouble. Now, I can get on board with that take. And I expect some good coaching. Yoli Childs has done a nice job from his freshman season now to his junior year of... Yes. Not getting himself into foul trouble. He was better last year. He was much better last year in his freshman season. However, BYU is going to need some other bigs, notably Luke Worthington, to stay out of of foul trouble and and be an imposing presence because they don't have a lot of size this year, Jerem. And Nevada's long and athletic, and they're going to attack the rim. This might be the longest team 
BYU plays all season. Maybe, and typically that's been a bad matchup for BYU, even with the great teams in the past. When you think about Texas A&M's and San Diego State's and UNLV's, like this is always a tough matchup. Yes, and listen, Nevada is long. The entire starting lineup six seven and taller. <laughs> six seven, six seven, six seven, six eleven, six eleven. Woo! So, so let's go. Rebound that basketball. Coming up. Our official predictions for the BYU basketball season, including record, and who will be the second leading scorer because Yoli Childs will lead the team. Let's take our show directly to the biggest little city in the world, Reno, Nevada. BYU preparing to tip off the season. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, will join us from Reno with the secret to tonight's BYU success. This is BYU Sports Nation. Ball night! (laughs) BYU Sports Nation is presented by The BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday nights on BYU TV, Breakdown Cougar Football with Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, Brian Logan, and David Nixon on After Further Review. Tonight, 7 Eastern on BYU TV and Da App. Live from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. You can listen to BYUSN on demand, downloading the BYU Sports Nation podcast and watch the show whenever you feel like it. It's simple, really. Go to BYUSN.com. Experience the show whenever, wherever, and however you prefer. In on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline as our first guest of the day is the voice of the Cougars live from Reno, Nevada, as BYU is set to tip off the season against 7th-ranked Nevada tonight. Greg Rubel, welcome to the show, Greg. How's Reno? All right, we can't hear Greg right now. Oh, that's not good. So now we can hear. Him. Now we can. Now right. we can hear. Him. All right, Greg. Hello, Greg. Let's try it again. Yeah, and and, I, and I'll say again, it is still, guys, the biggest little city in the world. <laughs> not much has changed, Greg. What uh, yeah. what's the vibe of this BYU team right now as they near a top ten challenge to open the season? Well, it's not every year they open on the road, so it's a little bit of a different vibe because it's been quite a while since uh, BYU. Uh, opened the game, uh, opened the season away from home. It's been a long time since they actually uh, took a plane to do so, uh, more than more than 10 years ago. It was uh, 2007, 2008 when they opened at Long Beach State. That's their last airplane trip to open a regular season. Uh, they opened at Utah State a few seasons ago, but that's a bus ride up. So it's been a while since they've done this, so it's a little different to, to, to go away from home to open uh, uh, the regular season. This environment tonight should be uh, super energized. It'll be a sold-out arena. Uh, Nevada's ranked in the top ten. Uh, NBA talent on the roster. Uh, Coach Musselman has done great things with this program, and now his fourth season. He's never lost a non-conference home game. Uh, all these things are subtext, so it should be a really fun opener on college basketball's new opening night on this Tuesday. Yeah, it's a little earlier, which is exciting and fun. Uh, let's talk about this matchup because BYU is rolling up a new starting uh, a new starting lineup. It would appear, based on what they did from the exhibitions, who knows tonight, but uh, TJ Haas, Joshir Hartnett, Zach Selyus into the starting lineup. What kind of difference do you expect with BYU with Zach Selyus in the starting lineup, if that's the case? Well, you know, I don't think anybody who watched Zach uh, last year would say that he looked, you know, all, looked totally right. And I think the hope is that uh, he reverts to his pre-mission self. Uh, his, his three-point shot uh, percentage drop was far too precipitous. It didn't make any sense. And, and, and so I think we're going to ideally see uh, the guy we saw before his mission. And uh, I, I think Zach's ready to, to shoulder a larger role. 
And so, again, that, that's the hope is that it was really a one-season blip on the radar. Uh, he, he, he's done things with his body. He is, he's, he's spent so much time in the gym in the offseason. I, uh, I think Zach is poised for a bounce back. It's interesting, uh, Jerem, that BYU returns nine guys who played for this team last season. If you want to throw a tenth in, Nick Emery didn't play last year, but, of course, had been with the Cougars before that. So nine or ten guys who have experienced playing for BYU. And Nevada has, will play only three guys tonight who played on last year's team. Now the asterisk there is all three guys were in NBA workouts in this offseason. All three guys decided to come back, and they're all pro talent. And, and the other guys that I'm not mentioning among those three – were all Division One transfers sitting out who practiced with Nevada last year. So it's true. They returned only three guys from last year's roster who will play tonight, but it's everybody else waiting in the wings uh, that's going to be causing people problems this year. Greg, if you were to give a brief explanation to any random BYU fan on the street that didn't know much about Nevada in preparation, in preparation rather for this game, what would you say to that fan that they need to know about the Wolfpack? Six seven six seven six seven six ten six eleven. Starting five. <laughs> so much length. Starting five, right there. And of those uh, five guys I mentioned, uh, again, three of them are the two are, are the Martin twins and Jordan Caroline. And 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 the six eleven kid is a McDonald's All American. Their first ever a McDonald's All American. He's already the Mountain West Conference preseason freshman of the year by projections. Uh, they're long. They're productive. They're prolific. They have 5,000-point scorers on the roster. Um, they're, they're loaded. They are loaded. And, and, again, not everyone puts a team together this way. Literally, every upperclassman who will play tonight is a Division One transfer. Mm. Did, not start their, did not begin their career at Nevada. That's incredible. Uh, BYU's got an opportunity here, which is good. We were talking about what this would mean if BYU pulls this off tonight. Um, this is a quad one game, probably on Selection Sunday, right? BYU's got a real big opportunity, Greg, in game one. It's a national news game. I mean, if, if you win this thing on opening night, again, there's a lot of focus on opening night because of the way it's put together, and there are some marquee matchups. And, and, and BYU-Nevada may not be the most marquee, but it's on the radar among games to watch tonight, certainly. Anybody who's, who's a college basketball observer has, has this one circled. Uh, you know, these are two top 50 BPI teams and uh, it's yeah, clearly a big-time quad one game and the kind of game that if you win it on opening night, people are already kind of mentally penciling you in as a team that's going to dance if you beat Nevada on their home floor. Again, Musselman's never lost a non-conference home game. Uh, he's 21-0 in non-league games at home. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's news-making in every way if you can pull it off. And, again, it, it, the, the value of it is tough to, tough to overstate. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Ravel, with us in Reno, Nevada. Greg, both Nevada and BYU have not shot the ball well from the three-point line in exhibition play. Low 30s percentage-wise, just not good. What do you expect in the three-point shooting showdown tonight? Well, uh, low 30s for BYU. How about low 20s for Nevada? Uh, they had a rougher uh, three-point experience in their two exhibition games. And, and so, yeah, both teams are hoping that that was uh, the outlier and the anomaly. BYU shot 31.6, and Nevada shot 20.8 oh. in the preseason. Um, now, you know, noting BYU played two Division II teams, and, uh, and, and Nevada played a lower division team plus Washington. And Washington, Washington got after Nevada pretty good. Um, and, and uh, you know, so in a way, Nevada's already been woken up. Uh, you know, I think BYU would have liked to be the team that gave Nevada the wake-up call, but I think they already got woken up in the exhibition with, with Washington coming in and beating them 91-73. to And Coach Musselman, 
he's, he's, a, he's a pretty uh, frenetic guy. We all know that. Uh, he has been very out front and very public about how displeased he's been with his team as a defensive group. Um, he, you know, you might, you might say it's, he's prone to hyperbole, but he said it's, it's maybe the worst defensive team he's ever coached. And this is after two exhibition games. And, and, he, and he said, he said it's, not, it's not that they're not trying. They just can't defend. I mean, that, you know, this, 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 that's what he's been saying. So, again, this is a coach that uh, I think probably trying to fire his guys up and is a little frustrated. But uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of Nevada team he really does have when all is said and done. Because as good as they are and as loaded as they are and as ranked as they are, uh, Coach Musselman's not, you know, totally pleased with how the uh, the, the, the buildup went to the regular season. Yeah, tell me what you really think, Coach. Jeez. Yeah. Okay, uh, BYU is going from the slower kind of possession-based, take a good shot at the end of the shot clock offense, to more of the run and gun, but kind of a healthy balance. What kind of difference do you expect in terms of tempo of, of what we saw last year versus what we will see this year with Quincy Lewis calling the plays? Well, I, I'm not sure if they'll be a top 10 team uh, in tempo as they were in the seasons before last year. But uh, again, to go from where they were to where they ended up is is, is uh, very unusual in terms of their ranking of tempo. They were, you know, top 10, top 15 to I think the 160s, 170s last year. And so it, again, that was a very precipitous drop. And I think you'll I think you'll see a climb, if not to where it was before. Certainly, um, you know, well out of the uh, the area it was last season. And I think less. Less overall, I, I want to see how it affects specific players. I, I want to see uh, T.J. Haas, Zach Selyus, and Joshua Hardnett specifically, that guard line right there. I want to see how, how their games pick up, how their, how their numbers improve uh, just with uh, the adjustment in style and tempo and maybe a little bit more freedom. Uh, I want to see how it, how it impacts their games because it appeared to me, guys, that, uh, that, that the slowdown – probably hit, hit, hit those players uh, as much as anybody in terms of what we saw from them as opposed to what we expected to see from them. And then overall, you know, uh, beyond tempo, Jerem, I think we just need to see this team be a better shooting team. I think, I think we all believe that, that BYU was better than its numbers last year. Uh, they, they were a 35% team last year from, uh, from the three-point line. And, and, you know, those guys that I talked about, those three guards, um, shot 33, 31, and 30 from uh, the three-point line, and I think we all believe they, they're, they're all better than that. And so I, I'm looking for an uptick in all of those guards' uh, three-point numbers this year. Greg, have a great call tonight. Uh, you know that uh, we'll be dialed in. Also, uh, hopefully BYU can outshoot Nevada by 10% from the three-point line. I'm sure that would help things. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll take 30 to 20. I'll take 40 to 30. I'll take 50 to 40, whatever it takes. But, uh, yeah, this should be a fun one. And, uh, and again, the, the possibilities – uh, are, are promising. If you're able to, to play well and get this one tonight, it could be just massive come the end of the season. All right, great stuff, Greg. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Greg Rebell on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Late one, uh, BYU Radio pregame at 10 Eastern, tip at 11 Eastern. CBS Sports Network is the TV provider. Yeah, why? listen, they got that contract with the Mountain West. You better believe they want that game. Big game, man. Carter Blackburn on the call. Yeah, I like Carter. What do you expect from BYU basketball tonight against Nevada? At Broncos Lover Answers on Twitter, I honestly expect to be competitive, but we'll be more looking at this as a gauge to see where BYU really is at. I believe we have the horses to make a run, but this will be a huge test. BYU loses by single digits. I think there was a line out, and it was 12 and a half. Uh, We'll have to check that one, but... uh... Nevada certainly good. The, if BYU outshoots test. seriously, if BYU outshoots Nevada by ten percent from the three point line, they could win this game. 
They could win this game. Let's hope the threes sway it. I would love it. Yeah. In, be in BYU's favor. And BYU needs, like Greg said, BYU needs those guys to be themselves from earlier. So Zach Selyus, TJ Haas, his freshman, Nick Emery even, who won't play tonight. He's out nine games again. But those kind of guys, they need to be able to shoot the three well. And the increase from Yoli Childs. Well, I, I don't know if BYU can win this game if they don't shoot the three well. Because BYU's at ma- outmatched in terms oh, of... Oh, I'm, I'm all in on the three. On I think that is, the, that is yeah. the key to success tonight. BYU's three-point shooting capability. Coming up, Olivia Wade of the women's soccer team joins us to discuss the NCAA tournament matchup with TCU. Plus, how many St. Zaga wins will BYU basketball accrue in the 2018-2019 season? We'll tell you. Among other projections we'll make. Because those always work out super well for us. <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. BYU football plays the UMass Minutemen Saturday afternoon. Pre-game coverage begins at 10 Eastern on the radio. Then on 11 uh, Eastern, it's BYU TV, kind of the kickoff. Then watch the game on BYU TV and listen to, on BYU Radio at noon Eastern time. Simulcast with 11 Sports, who's producing the game. and We'll have it on BYU TV as well. Let's keep it rolling, BYU Sports Nation. If you missed the headlines off the top of the show, good news. Coming at you one more time. BYU football on a retribution mission. Beat UMass. I didn't go on one of those. The Cougars play 2,000 miles away from home against the Minutemen in Foxborough, the home of the New England Patriots this Saturday. Noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain kickoff, live on BYU TV. However, they will be, and they, being BYU, will be playing without junior defensive back Chris Wilcox. Coach Kalani Sitake confirming he is out for the season with a lower leg fracture. Get better, Chris. Men's basketball opens the season at number 7 Nevada tonight. Pre-game coverage begins on BYU Radio 10 Eastern time. The Wolfpack lost by one in the Sweet 16 last season to Loyola Chicago. The six-time West Coast Conference regular season champions. I believe that's in, what, like eight seasons, Jerem? It's pretty impressive. BYU women's soccer will travel to TCU to play the Horn Frogs in the first round of the NCAA tournament this Friday at 8 Eastern. The winner likely gets Texas A&M. Peter Quest shot a career-best 61 yesterday, 10 under on the men's golf team in the opening round of the St. Mary's Invitational. Quest holds a seven-stroke lead, and BYU's in first place at 13 under. What a three-weeks, two-week series for Peter Quest. Karma. Man, karma boost. That a boy, Peter Quest. It's also for good. Let's acknowledge that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've acknowledged. It's it. not all us, but we've it's mostly us. That we bring in good players, <laughs> we just give them an additional boost. Man, Peter shot his career best. We need even to bring in good. like the worst athlete of BYU and just see if they. It's not how it works. No, it's not how it works. <laughs> Someone who just never plays. However, we have brought in some off the radar folks that have done some big time things after yeah. we gave them the karma. Yeah. Not that they're not good, just off the radar, right? Yeah. yeah, it works in mysterious ways. All right, time for our season projections, Jerem. Can't wait to relive the ones we put out there for BYU football when the season ends. And uh, I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> That's why it's fun. I remember the record. It's all on I'm going to be on on the record. Yeah. Remember, I'm going to nail the record. The record. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm nailing the record. Let's do it for BYU basketball. They tip off the season tonight against seventh ranked Nevada. I think we should. Add, I feel like we should add some circus music to this or something. <laughs> no, it's not a joke. It's legit. Okay, first category: second leading score. We're not doing leading score because you're only child. Going to be only child. Okay? It it'll be only. So child. I go second leading score. T.J. Haas Ooh. will average fourteen point three a game to be the second leading score. T.J. Haas. Okay, and it's just points per game, so not 
So yeah, it, not total points. It, it technically because Nick Emery will have nine right. games, and these are regular season projections because we don't know how deep BYU is going. So it technically could be a guy like Nick Emery, but when, but I'm with you. I could still be Ryland Bergerson, whatever. I still think it's going to be TJ Haas. I'm right there with you. TJ okay. Haas will be the second leading scorer for BYU basketball this year. If it's year. not him, who else would it be? Like he just seems like the natural fit here. Perhaps uh, Nick Emery. I mean, yeah, yeah Emer- Emery is an option. Um, maybe Jashir Hardnett turns it on offensively. I don't that, know. I think that'd be good for this team. They need somebody. Yeah. Second leading rebounder, Gavin Baxter, uh, 5.8. And again, Yoli Childs will lead the team in rebounding, so we go second. Gavin Baxter off the bench will average 5.8. Do you know who was second last year? It was Elijah Bryant. He was a good rebounding guard. He's not here anymore. I've got Luke Worthington Okay, as the second leading rebounder behind Yoli Childs. There you go. I like Luke's size. I like his leadership. I think he's smart. I think he plays good defense, and that'll put him in a position to grab a lot of rebounds. Luke Worthington is my pick for second leading defensive rebounder. Win loss record. Oh, boy. Okay, Here there's 31 go. regular season games. Here we now go. Remember that in non conference, there used to be 13 games. Now there's 15, two extra games, West Coast Conference thing. Better your RPI. I go 21 and 10. I think BYU would go 10 and 5 in non con and 11 and 5 in conference play. Wow. 21 and 10. 21 and 10. Okay, so uh, a pretty, I'm not going to call that low expectation because it's just your expectation. But typically, the magic number for BYU to be in the discussion to be bubble worthy has been like t- at least 24 wins, right? I think that has to go up to like 25. Oh. Because it's harder for a non big six, mm-hmm. big seven conference, yeah. like West Coast Conference, to get multiple in. I, I think BYU's got to bring it, especially in non con. Get a couple good ones. Go from there. Okay. I am going, Jerem, 24-7 and seven wow. for BYU basketball. Those are high expectations. 31 games, 24 wins, 7 losses. Mm. And I think BYU will go 13-5 and five in conference. Sorry, 13-3 uh, and f- uh, three in conference play. I like wow, 13-3. And and so no yeah. non-St. Zaga losses. Is that what you're saying? Well, what do you mean no? Well, yeah. 13-3? Yeah. and three? Well, Wow. Yeah, I just think... That's a, that, I, listen, he, I, this is BYU's opportunity. This is this is the year that they are a little bit, finally a little bit older, and some of the teams I are... I that that equates to just being better. Well, they're, 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 they match up better against West Coast Conference teams with this style of play than they did last year. Yes, I agree with that. I think not having Nick Emery for the first nine games is a big deal. He's going to come back against Utah and have four no, or five Utah non-conference... State, and then it's Utah. He'll have four or five non-conference games to get ready for conference. He'll be fine. But it's those nine games where he's not there that are a big deal. Like, do you feel better about BYU against Nevada if Nick Emery plays in this game? Absolutely. Like, this guy's going to be one of the top 20 scorers in BYU history by the time he's done here. Like, he's a good player. 13. Is he the same player? We don't know. Like, we have not really seen him. We saw him in the Cougar tip-off a little bit. Couldn't play in the exhibitions. BYU's not giving him, like, they're starting the season with him on the practice squad because he can't play for, like, a month. Yeah, I still got 13 and 3 West Coast Conference play. Let's go. Well, those blue goggles, Let's baby. Go. I love it. Let's go, man. How many St. Zaga wins? So that's St. Mary's and Gonzaga. You play four regular season games, potentially one in the tournament, two in the tourney. Yeah, I so I think BYU has two St. Zaga wins between the regular season yes. and projecting into the West Coast Conference tournament. I think they'll they'll grab they'll grab if it's not in the West Coast Conference Tournament, they'll play a total of, I think, five, maybe six. Five or six. I think they'll have two. 
I want it to be two. I'm saying one. <laughs> I'm saying one right now, but I, I hope it's two or three. I mean, in the regular season, if BYU gets one, it's decent. Because Gonzaga, getting Gonzaga again would be another incredible uh, – yeah, they've done, they didn't do it last year. Like, so, you know, they do it every year. If BYU plays St. Mary's three times, can they win two of those games? One neutral. They can. I would expect one. I wouldn't expect two. Does that make sense? Even though they beat St. Mary's when they were – I don't Literally know. Literally a better team last year. I don't know. Yeah, and BYU got one of the three. So I'm saying, I think BYU is a better team than St. Last Mary's year, BYU year. beat St. Zaga one time. They were one in five. Like, that's tough. They you were get, clearly you, outmatched you gotta against go Gonzaga, and, and they, for the most part, were outmatched against St. Mary's. St. Mary's is a different team now. Anyway. I don't know how they St. Mary's is. I have no clue. Like, we got to watch them. Okay. okay? Uh, team three point percentage. BYU shot 34. Point something the last two seasons. I go thirty five percent, a little bit better, but I'm I'm not seeing quite yet that this team is significantly better from three. I I need to see it. I say thirty five percent. See, I'm I'm going to stick right where they have been. Thirty four percent. They'll just shoot more, so more will yeah, go th- in. And thirty, they need to be better than thirty four. They'll they'll to shoot have success. More. You're talking about the like three seasons ago, thirty eight percent. Four ago, 39%. And they made 300-plus threes when Nick Emery was a freshman and sophomore. That's what the Chase la- Fisher. The last, yeah, in the last two years, BYU's made 225 threes, 233s. Before that, 330 and 300. So there was a significant I'm, dip. See, I'm okay if it's still 34%, but they're chucking up more and they're making more. Those are good things. Yeah, just throw more up. <laughs> if it's okay. greater than 34%, fantastic. But I'm going 34%, and then they'll just make more because they'll shoot more. Let's hope. Total three-point makes, 227. Ooh, like I a, mentioned, BYU's like been in the specific, 230s like the last two number. years. 227. Are we playing close to the pin as well? <laughs> That's the point, right? Yeah, I like that. Uh, I'm going 250, Jer. 250. 250 three-point makes. I, I don't think this is a 300 makes team because the tempo won't be as high as it was under Terry Nash's offensive play calling. But you're right. They need more threes. And they need to shoot. Better. Shoot more. For sure. You make like, more. Even if it's the that? same yeah. percentage, you shoot more, you make more. There's a difference there. This brings up a larger conversation. All of these numbers. Because the ultimate goal for BYU is to get back to the NCAA tournament. Sure. They have not been there the last three seasons. Biggest drought in the Dave Rose era. What is the postseason expectation for this current BYU basketball team? Expectation. Like what I expect. Yes. I expect the NIT. I think this team could play itself into bubbleicious form, but we need to see them develop. It's November 6th. It's so early. Right now, BYU is an NIT team. But if they can start to play good ball in non-conference, pull off some nice wins, I'm not, tonight would certainly help. I don't expect BYU to win tonight, but hopefully they have a good showing. Then maybe they get in the conversation. And I think that's what I want is for BYU just to be – BYU hasn't even sniffed the tourney the last couple of years. I want them to at least smell it. BYU will be one of the last four in the NCAA tournament or one of the first four out. I think they will be in that range of eight teams. That'd be nice. So either just sneaking in as like a 12 seed playing in the first four in Dayton or a one seed, maybe a two seed in the NIT. I think they'll be bubblicious. That is my expectation. They will be in that range of eight teams. I feel like BYU is missing one player to be in that conversation. That's what I feel like right now. Maybe that player is Nick Emery. Maybe it is Nick Emery. I don't know. Maybe they get him back and then nine games into, in. Yeah, and it's going to take a minute, right? Coming up, what are the latest bowl projections for BYU? Do you want to play a Mountain West team in a bowl game? Can't wait. And in New Mexico, Jeremy, wouldn't that be fantastic? Been there, done that. Next, BYU women's soccer. 
headed to Texas, back in the NCAA tournament. They don't want to just beat TCU. They have retribution on their minds as well for a potential matchup with a former foe. Olivia Wade's going to join us next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Jesse Wade. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesdays at 8 Eastern tonight, watch or listen to BYU football with Kalani Satake. Your boy Spencer Linton chats with Satake and the El Bakri brothers, mm-hmm. Braden and Bracken. Reserve your seats on BYUcougars.com slash Satake Show and send in questions for those three using hashtag Satake Show. Welcome back on a ball night for BYU basketball. I'm stoked, man. <sighs> I'm feeling the juice. Right? Ball night. Yeah, man. Love Satake Show, then BYU basketball. Very and by the way, this is just tipping off a huge week of contests for a bunch of different yes. BYU sports. Yes, very, volleyball, soccer, everybody's playing. Volleyball trying to stay undefeated and the only undefeated team in the country when they host Santa Clara on Thursday night live on BYU TV. And then there's BYU women's soccer back in the NCAA tournament after a brief one-year hiatus. The West Coast Conference regular season champions once again. And joining us from BYU women's soccer is... The one and only Olivia Wade. Olivia, welcome to Studio B. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Now, I made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Jesse Wade is your brother. Yes, that is. Not the other way. Yes, definitely. He's my brother. I'm not his sister. Yes. Mm -hmm. You are playing. You're playing right now. He is not. Yeah, come on. We need to recognize the current athlete, right? Of course, the uh, Gonzaga transfer. So you were were coming here anyway. Mm -hmm. He was at Gonzaga. Last season, mm-hmm. um, what's it like now to be at the same school? It's so weird. You know, we have a class together, and so every time I see him, it's just like, you made the right choice. Like, the <laughs> prodigal son returns. Um, it's prodigal super, son. Yeah, it's super fun. It's cool to have him. So, What's yeah. the class? It's New Testament. So Nice. Do yeah. you, like, do the homework together? This is why the prodigal son fits yeah. perfectly. Oh, yeah. It's okay, the New yeah, Testament class. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, so it's super fun. We just, you know, do the assignments together. But It's nice. Sunday dinner. Brother and sister. Yeah. <laughs> Doing homework together. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, now to the sport that you are playing right now, mm-hmm. uh, which is soccer at a very high level. What was your immediate reaction to finding out you're going to play TCU in the NCAA tournament in Texas with the potential of a rematch against Texas A&M? Um, I think when we first heard it, you know, we're super excited just because we'd already played in Texas once this year. And so, you know, we're used to kind of the atmosphere and kind of the feel of Texas. And so I think, you know, getting TCU, that's a good first round game for us. And so I think we're just going to go in and take care of business. There was a lot of conversation in the offseason. You're a freshman, right? Mm-hmm. So last year was like, what happened? You know, And then in December, in, in, late December and January, there was a culture change. You got to school, I assume, in the summer, early fall. Mm-hmm. What did you sense when you showed up that was different maybe about this team from the team you've watched play last year? I mean, this year definitely they – you know, they're not taking anything for granted. You know, we come into every game. Like, you can lose to anybody, and I think that's something that they learned last year the hard way is, like, you can't just show up and expect to win. You know, you have to be putting in the time and the effort. And so this year, you know, practices are so much more serious. Everybody's taking everything more personally, and so I think that's really translated over to the games. How much do you know about TCU soccer at this point? So they actually – I think the only team that we've played that's similar is they played Santa Clara and they lost three to zero to Santa Clara and we beat Santa Clara two to zero. So, you know, you never know the tournament's crazy. Anything can happen. So I think as long as we come and play our A game, you know, we're going to do pretty well in any sport. It's pretty wild. You put in all this time and energy, like hundreds, if not thousands of hours Mm -hmm. to get to 
the moments that matter. And there have been several. Recently, Santa Clara was a game that mattered. LMU mm-hmm. was a game that mattered. You could argue every game matters, but yeah. let's be honest. More Now you're in the NCAA tournament. So what's the vibe with this team as you prepare for the biggest game of the season? I mean, you know, we know if we lose, we're done. And I don't think we're ready to be done yet. And so just like our mentality going into this game is we're going to give it all because, you know, it could potentially be our last game. But, you know, we don't want that to be our last game, obviously. So does all the other teams. So I just think coming to the game and giving it our all is kind of all we can do. There are some proverbial turning point games for all teams that enjoy success and conference championships and have waded through some troubles early. Uh what was the turning point game for BYU women's soccer this season? I think definitely, you know, we went to Pepperdine and, you know, that was like super hard loss. You know, we shouldn't, you know, in our eyes, we shouldn't have lost that game. And so I think after that, it kind of was a wake up call like, hey, we have to come ready to play every single game. Like if we don't, we can get beaten by anybody. You essentially had to win every match after that to be back in the tournament. Yeah. So, we, you know, that was like a lot of pressure, but we wouldn't have had wanted it any other way. You know, like if you would have told us, you know. You're going to, after Pepperdine, you have to win every single game. Like, yeah, that would have been a little nervous. Like, it would have made us a little bit nervous. But um, I think we took it on pretty well. You know, we just were like, we got to get take care of business and do what we need to do. You have your mission call. Tell us where you're going and when you're going. So I'm going to Texas Houston South, speaking Spanish, and I leave January 15th. That's great timing. Yeah. You finish the semester, you go home for Christmas. I left the day after Christmas. It was the worst. Yeah. January 15th will be great. And yeah. you're going to Jeremy Guthrie's mission. Oh. The former pitcher. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. The fellow, the athlete connection there. Yeah, he's such a stud. I'm super excited. You know, be able to get to know him better. And his wife seems like such an angel. So it's like the perfect mission for me. Yeah, you also get to enjoy Texas weather in January. So, yeah, uh, another yeah, well get played used to Texas yeah. aspect. Because <laughs> you're gonna go back in yeah. a couple months. Yeah. yeah. How's your Spanish? Do you know Spanish? No hablo español. So <laughs> that's it's gonna be a little rough, but. I'll I'll get it figured out hopefully. <laughs> Trust me, you'll learn fast. Yeah, your I'm accent's not, coming along. I yeah. know, I know. It sounds pretty good right now. So, talking eighteen months. Uh, no yeah. hobla. I know. Yeah. I'm like no hobla español, but no. Yo quiero Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. Um, okay, a couple of things. One, we would like you to sign our new uh, Sailor Coog flag oh, in Studio B. Also, we would like to give you a karma boost. Yeah. You should ask Elise Flake about what the BYU Sports Nation karma did for her. Okay, okay. I'm going to have to. in the one minute or whatever? She's insane. She oh, that's weird that she came on the show that day and then scored two goals in a minute. Mm. We think so. this is going to be good. Okay. Be we'll have to see, yeah. Okay. Thanks, yeah. Olivia. Thank you, you guys. Sign now yeah, if you'd like. All right, Olivia Wade. Je- that's that's uh, Jesse Wade is her brother. Yes. Fun fact. Okay. One ball projection has BYU <laughs> against an old Mountain West foe. We'll tell you coming up who it is in the whip. Plus, Jimmer Fredette stuffs the stat sheet again. And what are the BYU football bowl projections at four and five right now, Jerem? I, at four and five? I smell New Mexico. This is BYU Sports Nation. Love Breaking Bad. Shout out to today's guest, Greg Rebel, the voice of the Cougars. He's in Reno calling the match. Not the match, the game. The matchup. The matchup between BYU and Nevada in basketball and BYU women's soccer and Olivia Wade. Sergeant Dennis Pitta, we ran out of time. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. BYU plays at UMass Saturday on BYU TV, noon Eastern time, in Gillette Stadium. Yesterday, Kalani Satake announced junior cornerback Chris Wilcox is out for the season with a lower leg injury. 
ESPN predicts BYU will play San Diego State in the New Mexico Bowl Yay. on December 15th. However, CBS Sports predicts the Cougars will play Duke Ooh. in the Belk Bowl yeah. in Charlotte, North like Carolina on December 29th. Better. Men's basketball. Cougars open the season at number seven Nevada tonight. Pre-game coverage, 10 Eastern on BYU Radio. BYU a 13-point dog. Ken Palm, 12% chance of winning. Soccer. The six-time West Coast Conference champions. BYU women's soccer will travel to TCU to play the Horn Frogs in the first round of the NCAA tournament this Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 Mountain. You can listen live on BYU Radio. The winner likely gets Texas A&M. Golf. Peter Quest for perfection. Shot a career best 61 yesterday, 10 under. In the opening round of the St. Mary's Invitational, Quest holds a seven-streak stroke lead. <laughs> BYU is in first place at 13 under. How about a head start? Women's basketball. BYU hosting Dixie State tonight. Exhibition game, 8 p.m. Eastern. Cougars in the NFL. The Kansas City don't call me chefs, Chiefs. Activate safety Daniel Sorensen from injury after missing the first nine weeks. Dirty Dan is back. He is. Jimmer. Fredette. Had 21 points. Three three pointers, six assists, four steals, one rebound, and a 112 93 Sharks loss to the Beijing Ducks. Cougars overseas. Elijah Bryant had 20 points, 8 rebounds, and a 75-72 Hapoel Elliott win over Maccabi Rishon. Seat's still open for you, Elijah, here in Studio B. Yeah. Today's Rise and Shout goes to the Wade family, Jerem. Oh, they're bringing it, dude. The prodigal son has returned to join Olivia in their New Testament class. Great to have him. He has to redshirt this year, the Gonzaga transfer. Mr. Basketball in the state of Utah, yeah. senior year. He and TJ Haas, by the way, uh, uh, were in the same mission in Lyon, France. Yeah, how about that? Fantastic. I'm going to BYU. Yeah. You're going to... More religion ties. I think Jesse Wade might have come to BYU originally, but there wasn't a spot or Gonzaga was a better offer. I don't know. Our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, celebrating 50 years. What do you expect from BYU basketball tonight against Nevada? At TX Colonel on Twitter. I expect a one-two punch of Yoli and Gavin Baxter damaging their rims. And maybe there'll be another bent rim scenario. Perhaps. Conversation continues 24-7. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hashtag BYUSN. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Nate Call. Yeah, basketball. Go Cougs.